good to be with you all today. We are in week three of a series that we are calling Unhindered. And so if it's your first time joining with us, maybe uh, it's your first time in church, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to say hey after the service. Um, but we have been uh, really thinking about this idea, like what, what would it be like to, to run a race or to walk a walk with Jesus in a way where there, there aren't these hindrances or there aren't these setbacks? Um, I'd love to just admit a guilty pleasure of mine is, uh, there, is there is a viral clip. There's, there's many viral clips, but there's one in particular of, I imagine it's a middle school track meet. I mean, a middle school girls track meet, okay? And there's a girl, a lot of girls lined up to do the 100 meter hurdles and um, gunfires, whatever, they're taken off and the girls are running strong until they hit that first hurdle. And then this, I mean, this one poor girl, and I, I could watch this YouTube video on repeat probably for the rest of my life, which is not the most sanctified part of my heart, I'll admit, but it's real. And she hits that hurdle and she falls. And the man, to her credit, like she gets up and she keeps going and she gets to the next hurdle and she falls and she gets to the next hurdle and she falls. And it just is like, it's so pathetic and sad. And, and I just can only imagine like the blood that was involved on her legs when she was done with it, you know. Um, but I, like, I, I think our Christian faith can be like that sometimes where it's like, man, I've got some steam. I'm, I started my Bible reading plan again. Here we go, Genesis. And then it's like numbers and you fall and you're down and you're moving and you're, you're in this routine of prayer. You're having good conversations with the people around you about Jesus. And then all of a sudden you fall, you eat it, you stumble. You, there, there's always these little setbacks. And I know as we've gone through this series, what we've identified is that really nobody in this room is running this perfectly unhindered walk with Jesus. You could talk with people in this room, the saints who've been following him for 40, 50, 60 years. And they're still maybe not as far along as they thought they would be by now. They're still limping in some area of behavior. But, but could this be a time? Could this January be a season where we're marked by letting aside, letting go of the things that slow us down? Set, setting aside every win, uh, sin that so easily entangles us. Can, can this be a time where we're marked by a new stride, a fresh step in our faith, if you will? And so what we've talked about is this passage out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, um, where, where it's this idea that let us, let us set it aside, lay aside everything that entangles us, everything that hinders us and trips us up, these sins that we have, these different behaviors that we have that maybe aren't inherently sinful or bad, but we're using them to distract or to medicate or to soothe our anxious soul, rather than come to Jesus, who it says, is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And last week, we talked about how he is the prize that we're running after. He qualifies us at our starting line. He's waiting for us at the finish line. And, and praise God, he is walking with us as we stumble hurdle after hurdle. And he's saying, get back up again. Let's keep going. Let's keep running. I'm right there at the finish line. Jesus is who we're after. And any other endeavor that we have as human beings or as Christians to make this a pursuit or that a pursuit that isn't Christ would be folly. He's the only thing with lasting permanence. He's the only thing that has eternal and everlasting life. We're chasing after him. This week, what I want to talk about is going to kind of change gears a little bit, but I believe this is probably the biggest hindrance that I've watched myself, other Christians, as I've pastored this church, something that slows all of us down at some point or another. And those are the hindrances that we set up in our own mind. It's the mindsets that we carry with us into our day-to-day life. It's the patterns and the ways that we think and the default modes that we kind of slip into in our brains where we know as Christians that we're meant to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, but our practice does not match what we know to be true. And instead we let lies 
percolate more into our soul than we ought to. We, we let things steep into us. We, we get caught in this pattern where we can't get off the path that we're on in thinking. And we live our life marked by fear, or we live our life marked by anxiety, or we lived our life marked by depression. Even though we know that Jesus has gained us victory in these things, in the cross, by the blood, but we still settle for a mindset that falls short of the life he'd call us to live in. The verse here that I'm referencing is out of 2 Corinthians uh, in chapter 10, verse 4. So if you have your Bible, I'd love if you just open this up in your own Bible in front of you. Even if uh, you have the YouVersion app on your phone, you can open that up. Otherwise, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have anything with you. Paul's writing to his second letter to a busted up church in the city of Corinth. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to Put some, put some meat on their theological chops, if you will. Like he's trying to give them some right understanding. And he's trying to, in, in this spot, he's correcting them in a couple different areas. But he's, he's defending his own ministry. He's kind of articulating where he comes from when his matters of thought and his matters of preaching the gospel. But he says in verse four, for the weapons of our warfare. So let's just pause right here and acknowledge that the way that Paul sees the Christian life is in a battle in a spiritual war. I know that as 2024 post-enlightenment American thinkers where everything is mechanistic and linear and we have a solution for that and we have inputs to fix that and we have our standardized testing to make sure that we're checking, checking all the bubbles, moving up and to the right. Paul acknowledges here that it's not, it's not just this battle in your head. There is a battle for your soul. You have an enemy, an enemy that would love to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has planned for your life. And so we are caught in spiritual warfare. And he reminds us here that we're not waging war according to the flesh. We're not waging war by the world's standards. We're not using human intellect. We're not using uh, uh, crafty speech or human cunning. No, we have to ask for something beyond that. He says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. This idea of a stronghold, especially communicated in this time, it would have been normal for at the center of a fortified city for there to be a stronghold or, or an even heavily more uh, fortified area. Where, and you'd keep all your high officials there. You'd keep your uh, elected people there, your military people there. And it'd be this stronghold that would be taking up residence in the middle of the city to keep something safe. Only we're not talking about a good stronghold here. We're talking about using divine power to destroy strongholds. What is he saying? He's saying that the thought patterns in your life might be a stronghold in your mind. The enemy might have taken up residence as you've agreed with something that's not true. And he now has this fortified fortress in your mind to where your brain is going down this path consistently. So we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And hear this part. This is where we're going to kind of focus for today. And we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. One of the favorite books that I've read in the last few years is probably James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits. Um, James Clear in that book, he talks about how you can kind of you can kind of work your brain in a certain kind of way so that you would take the bad habits that are in your life and you'd replace them with more positive or good habits. And what, what Clear establishes in this book is that, man, your brain, you can either label it one of two ways. It's either incredibly efficient or it's lazy. Here's the thing about your brain. It loves to create pathways in your life, in your thought, patterns, so that you would walk down well-worn paths in your brain so that your brain would be functioning as efficiently as it possibly can. This is why, like, if you scrambled eggs this morning, 
you probably didn't even think about cracking the eggs, opening them up, whisking them together, putting them on the stove. Your brain just sort of snapped into autopilot and you're like, I've done this before, I can do it again. That's because your brain carves these pathways to make patterned thought, to make patterned behavior more accessible and less energy using. Have you ever driven somewhere like up to Fort Collins, maybe a 10, 20 minute drive, and you get to your destination and you're like, I don't even think I thought about driving one time. This is kind of horrifying, but it happens, doesn't it? Like, did I stop at the red lights? Did I use the turn signal? Did I, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember any of it. It's because your brain wants to go into autopilot to make things as easy as possible. And while Clear talks about this in the power of establishing positive habits in your life, this is also something that is certainly true about the negative habits in your life, the negative thought patterns you have in your life. And so if you find yourself late at night and you look at something that you shouldn't have looked at, and then you find yourself caught in a puddle of shame, well, now all of a sudden your brain, because it's trying to carve a neurological pathway somewhere, is associating your loneliness to your shame. I mean, you just go down the list. As you, as you think, so these patterns, you think about them, you rehearse them, you, you, you start to believe them in your heart, and then you start to behave the way that you're thinking. This is why the proverb can say this, Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. Your, I would, I'll say it this way. Your thoughts are probably dictating a lot more of your behaviors than you want to give them credit for. The patterns that you have in your mind, they are taking you somewhere in your life. The question that you could ask yourself right now is, do you like where your thoughts are taking you? They're driving a lot of what you do. They're driving a lot of what you behave. Behave a lot of how you, uh, how, how you believe and think and operate. You're, you're like, your, your presence, the way that you carry yourself, a lot of that's influenced by the thoughts that you allow into your mind. And so let me ask you this, what hinders your thinking? What hinders your thinking? Because certainly a lot of the problems that we have in our world, if you want to talk about the divorce rate in our world, if you want to talk about the people who live in poverty in this world, if you want to talk about any of these different kind of categories of problems, how many of them are derived from and influenced by horrible thinking patterns? So many. And it's one thing to talk about the thought patterns that we have in this world. I'm asking what thought patterns do you have in your life? Are you consistently telling yourself, well, I could never because of something in my past. I would never be worthy of because of this. And you need to be reminded today that no, God has separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. Well, God's done forgiving me. I made this mistake so many times. Hold on. It says in Romans that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Do you see how there are so many things that we just allow ourselves to believe? Are, are your thoughts, if you think about them, are, are, you, are your thought patterns steering more towards temporary things or things of this world? What do I look like today? Do I have enough followers on social media? Am I getting the attention that I think I deserve at work? Or are you steering your mind more carefully towards eternal things, things that will last for forever? Are you wiring yourself to be more selfish? Do they even think about me in this way? Do they even care that I'm feeling sad today? Do they? And you're always kind of adopting this sort of victim mentality, thinking about what other people are thinking about you. Or do you instead choose to go, no, I'm going to be more generous, not selfish, I'm going to choose to add value to other people. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to rely on other people adding value to me. I belong to Christ. I'm an adopted son of the most high king. What, what can you take from me? Right? Are, are you constantly wired towards negativity and to criticism? Always fault finding, always picking apart other people's things. Maybe there's an insecurity there that you're just trying to mask up, that it makes you feel better to pick apart other people's behavior instead of choosing, no, I'm going to 
I'm going to choose to see the best in what people have to offer. I'm going to choose to see the good that is in this world because I I believe that God is doing a new thing right now. I'm not going to hold people. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to keep track of all their little wrongs. What is the verse in 1 Corinthians? Love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm going to choose to love people the way that they're meant to be loved. What's the thought pattern in your life that's hindering you? Here's what I know. We all have them. And I think part of the problem is that we all have all the time, regardless of who you are, regardless even if you live in a hole, in a cave somewhere, we all have these different inputs that kind of pour into our mind all the time. And so for the rest of our time together today, I just want to talk about some of the bad inputs that we have coming into our mind. And I want to correct those or replace those with some of God's truth. All right. So for some of you type A people, that's where I'm going the rest of the time today. That's just my, that's my free gift to you today. Okay. The first place, the first like bad input that I think our brain receives all the time is, is words. Words are powerful. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. James says a whole force can be set ablaze by such a tiny little thing. There are, there are harmful, hurtful things that can, that can wound and that can afflict you for years after they were even spoken. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Yeah, baloney. I'd use a stronger word if I wasn't preaching right now. How many people do you know? How many of you sitting here right now, you are still hindered by a word that was spoken over your life years ago? You're still holding on to something. A parent said something to you. Newsflash, there are no perfect parents. Harper was in first service. She didn't even say amen. I was like, you missed your chance. Like that's, those don't come up often, you know? There's no perfect parents. Katie and I, we have the privilege of sitting down with a lot of couples to do premarital counseling. And one of the activities we work through is going through your family of origin. How did you see your mom talking to your dad? How did you see your dad talking to your mom? How did your parents talk to you as kids? All of these things in our family of origin, they impact and affect the way that we behave, not just as spouses, but as parents as well. How we treat people at work. The way we see things happen is the way that we usually end up reproducing those behaviors in the world that we live in. And so we stop and we go, man, what is this behavior? What are healthy things that you'd love to bring into this marriage? What are some unhealthy things that you'd love to bring into this marriage? I think it's, that is valuable work. Whether it needs a, you need a counselor to do that or whether you just need some time with the Holy Spirit to go, how am I operating or behaving out of words that were spoken over me or words that I watched be spoken in my household? How am I letting those impact the way that I live? You should do that. Here's what else I'll say about words. words. Words can cut, words can hurt, but we can also make the mistake as human beings where we can build a bigger story that somebody else never even said. So here's how I'll say it. Like, don't, don't build a narrative out of somebody else's sentences. I love my wife so much and she's not in this service. So I'm feeling particularly bold to, you know, I'm, I'm, courage, I'm courageous now. We'll see about later. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Sometimes Katie's talking and, and some, actually I should say it this way. Sometimes she's not talking, she's thinking. And then I get what feels like the seventh sentence of the thought that's been going on in her brain. Men, you ever feel this way about your wife? Where it's like, you say, she says something and I'll have to stop her and I'll go, I, I heard what you just said, but I have no idea what you mean. Like, I, I know what you just said. I, I understood the sentence. Like it made sense to me, but I, where's that coming from? What are you feeling right now? Like, what are, you tr- what are you trying to say to me? What, what are you trying to accomplish in this conversation, right? I think there's so many times where somebody can say something to you. Maybe it was a piece of feedback given to you by an employer. Maybe it was somebody, a peer who just observed something. Maybe it was a parent who spoke something out of anger to you. And you, in a moment, you heard something. And then again, the negative thought pattern is to internalize that thought, 
to rehearse it to yourself, to think it back to yourself all the time until you start believing it. And then you're going to start acting out of that thought. For the record, I know when I'm doing this personally, uh, when I'm having conversations with people in the shower. Y'all do this ever? I'm like, why, why am I talking to this person right now? Like, they're not here. This is supposed to be me time, you know? And, I, and I'm going, like, I'm having this argument and I'm making these great points and I'm zing, zing, zing. And I'm like, I think I have some bitterness that I'm rehearsing to myself right now. Katie and I were talking about this message uh, this week and she pointed out this verse that was in her Bible reading plan out of First Chronicles. It, 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 we'll throw it up on the screen here. First Chronicles um, there's some funny names in here, but the point I think will all make sense when, when we read it. It says, Now after this, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, died, and his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal kindly with Hanan, the son of Nahash, for his father dealt kindly with me. So some backstory here. David had this fond relationship with this king. This king passes away. So now his son is reigning where his father was reigning before. And David, you know, nice condolences coming from the king. Like, that's a nice move, isn't it? If my dad passed away and the king was like, hey, I'm really sorry. Let me send some condolences your way. Like that's, it's a thoughtful thing that's trying to happen here. So David sent messengers to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites to Hanan to console him. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan, do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honoring your father? Has not, have not his servants come to your to, to you to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land. So Hanan took David's servants and he shaved them, cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. Now, this is also another little lesson on um, be careful who's speaking into your life because there are plenty of morons giving advice out of their own hurt and their own mistakes. And I would just be cautious of those people. So these guys give some horrible advice to, to this new reigning king. And you know how this, you can read about it on your own. You know how this story ends? Really, really badly for the Ammonites. Like to the tune of 40,000 foot soldiers being slaughtered by David's mighty men. So I bring this verse up because I think, man, so often we have, a, someone throws a gesture out our way or somebody says something to us. And how often do we as human beings try to interpret the meaning behind that message or we try to interpret the meaning behind what they're doing for us and we think we're being manipulated in some sort of way, we're being cautious and we're thinking, well, they did this, they said that, but I really wonder if they mean this, if they're really trying to get me to do this. And, and here's what I'll say to you. As early and as often as you can, fight for clarity whenever there's confusion. This will, I promise you, this will save you so much of a headache in your marriage, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers. When somebody speaks something out and it causes that jolt of pain, you feel that defensiveness rise up in you. The best thing to do is fight for clarity the moment there's confusion. So somebody says something, I don't, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm taken off guard. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say, hey, this, this is how that made me feel when you said that just now. Is this what you meant? Because most of the time, you know what they're gonna say? I'm so, that, that is not what I meant at all. Here's what I was trying to communicate to you. You have to just realize that we are wired in a certain way to build out these long narratives where someone else just tried to say something and we can try to interpret them our own way. It's a dangerous game to try to interpret different things that people did never say. Also, this is just why you don't email hard advice ever because tone doesn't carry through email, right? Same principle. Words matter. That's a value that we have here. Words matter. So let's... let's understand that they can hurt, they can cause damage. Words are a terrible input at times for the lies that come into our head. 
The other thing that is a bad input for our brain, the way that we think, is uh, the world. Golly, the world we live in uh, thinks in some pretty horrific and terrible ways, doesn't it? I mean, you can, you can pick your lane that you want to swim in right now as far as bad thinking goes. And, and there are a lot of different things that, that will drive you to a destination that you don't want to ever arrive in. And, and Paul writes it this way in the book of Romans. He says, don't be conformed to this world. And he's talking specifically about the way the world thinks. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed instead by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, um, I, I just, I found myself this week, you know, how many of you guys are like fasting some sort of social media? Um, you're giving away some sort of screens or something like that. Uh, if you don't know, we're in 21 days of fasting and prayer as a church right now. And so all sorts of people are picking different kinds of fasts, different kinds of things that they're intending to pray towards. And if you haven't joined us for the first two weeks, I would say, man, jump in this last week, like lay aside something, uh, uh, temporary to say yes to something that's eternal. That's what we're doing in fasting. So be it food, social media, like let's say no to something, right? And I, I set aside social media, which has been honestly amazing. Like I, I could actually feel like air getting down into spots in my lungs that I didn't, I didn't know my lungs went down that far, you know? Like just like, oh my gosh, I think the world's just better without Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, you know? I'll be back on it probably in another week, you know, because uh, the memes out there are hilarious and I do love seeing them. <laughs> So keep sending them my way if you see good ones, for sure. Um, but I found myself actually replacing social media on my phone with the news feed, like the news app, you know? How, how dumb am I, you know? Because I'm just like scrolling through that and I caught myself this week. I'm just like, what am I doing? You know what's crazy about the world we live in? Like you can find directly disagreeing headlines about the exact same thing. If you haven't picked up on the fact yet that news at this point in the world we're living in is not primarily about informing the public. News is about entertaining the public. And those two things are wildly different. So now news is primarily about attention economics or getting you to click through on certain articles, writing headlines that get your attention, maybe get you fired up, maybe get you a little mad because you disagree with them, but you're going to click. And every time you click, somebody's getting paid. And so news now no longer is about trying to inform you or trying to show you the facts of the world that exist. Now they are trying to steer you into some kind of narrative. And if you haven't realized that by now, you are, you are behind the eight ball and you're probably just a little more anxious than you really need to be. So I'm trying to set you free. Like the way that I was reading through some of the headlines, for some of you that pay attention, like uh, S&P 500 hit an all-time high on Friday, right? Uh, tech stocks going crazy, ballooning up like crazy. And if you read, literally, if you go through the news feed, you will see one bar is like, this is just the beginning of AI. Get involved now. The, you know, to the moon. Everything's up and to the right for forever. It's going to be amazing. And then you'll read like the very next headline is what? Worst year ever for stocks predicted on its way. I, I, like I just bring that like, like, listen, be wise, be smart, do your research, do your homework. But, but news is not meant to inform you at this point. It's meant to stir up a reaction because that's how the attention economy works. You got to just know that. The world is full of different ways that like try to infiltrate and pollute our thinking. Politics, I think, is another one. Ooh, did you feel that? The anxiousness in the room just kind of get there a little. Today is, today is Sanctitive Human Life Sunday. And I'm so grateful that we at this church, like I, I love the ministry Embrace Grace. 
Embrace Life is just kicking off. It's a new branch of that ministry. I love that we are committed to supporting moms who find themselves in the middle of a pregnancy that they were not planning on. And so if you know somebody, get them directed to these gals. They're, they're some of the most wonderful people on planet earth. And I've loved that this church has just rallied behind their every need. It's been amazing to watch. And yet somehow, if you just play the identity politic game that's going on in the world we live in, then I'm convinced that, well, to, to do that, I'm, I'm firmly in this camp and I'm never caring about any other form of human life. I'm like, what? That's not true. The Bible would actually bid me to be concerned about human life. That's not my identity politics informing my position on life, right? You, you flash back one weekend and it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, and, and for some reason, if you're going to celebrate that holiday, lean into everything that that holiday means for the progress and for all the different things that we've uh, like really had to like look ourselves in the mirror for as Americans and go like, man, I don't think we handled the race thing right at all for years. And it seems like if you're willing to kind of enter into that conversation and celebrate all the amazing, good, right work that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King did, then you're somehow in this political camp. And I'm just going like, wait a second, hold on. Isn't it the word of God that says, no, you formed my inward being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. So I care about life that's in the womb. Isn't it also the same Bible that talks about in Revelation when we're all gathered around one throne, worshiping in what? Every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so it's not just one race elevated. Like there are so many games they're trying to get us to polarize just to pit us against one another. And I'm telling you, if you're letting that be your primary mode of thinking towards these topics, you're doomed from the beginning. We let the word of God transform us, renewing us, giving us discernment. Let it wash over us so that I wouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world. I've seen what this world has to offer and it is junk. I want to be transformed by a living word that's sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces all the way down to joint and marrow. So the world is a horrible input for our thinking. Words can be a horrible input for our thinking. And the thing that we also have to acknowledge is that we're in warfare. Like we, you have an enemy. His name is the devil, Satan, Lucifer, however you want to call him, whatever you want to color him as, but he is the enemy of your soul trying to bring about death and destruction to everything that God has for your life. And his native tongue, the way that he speaks always is through lies and accusation. If we jump back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. These are warlike terms, you guys. We're meant to take the thoughts that come into my mind because sometimes you might think a thought and it might not be you. It might be the liar who's trying to accuse you of something. And you're only going to empower him if you agree with his lies. And I'll just warn you right now, he's not going to come at you with these like just outlandish lies. He's going to mix as much truth in with the lie as he possibly can. And so it might be something against your character. The only problem is you actually do kind of struggle with that thing that he's accusing you of with your character. I actually do kind of mess that up from time to time. But I have to take that captive and make it obedient to Christ. When I take that thought captive, I make it obedient to Christ. I mess this up. I made a mistake. I'm sinful. The devil would love to keep that into a box of shame. Instead, I'm going to bring it over here, make it obedient to Christ. And now I see that, no, like there is, there is no, I'm, I'm, condemned, I'm condemned in Christ no more. He has nailed all my sin to the cross. He's paid for everything or else he'd still be in the grave. And it's this mental work that we have to do just as much as we can get caught in a cycle of shame going, okay, I heard this thing. This thing was spoken to me. 
and I'm going to rehearse it in my mind and I'm going to start believing it in my heart and that's how I'm going to start to behave. Well, the same pathway is available in the other direction. It's where I can actually take God's word. I can take thoughts captive, bring them into obedience with Christ. And then I can start to rehearse that truth until I start to believe it, until I start to live it out. Does that make sense? So three reminders for all of us. I think you know that this is probably true. Three reminders though. Uh, Just because something was said to you doesn't mean it's true. This This is for TikTok, Instagram, your parents. Not everything that was said to you is always true. Austin, that sounds like I gotta really get to know what the truth is. Yeah, that's why in, in Colossians, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you're coming to your Bible every now and then, you can't be expected to be full of dwelling in the truth. You need to come back to it over and over again so that you can combat the lies of the enemy. How are we gonna know what is right and what's wrong? Well, we're gonna know it, know it by rehearsing what is true. And you gotta be able to look and say, okay, wait, that thing was said can I take, do the work to say, okay, this was spoken to me, but now can I bring it under the weight of scripture? There's this church in Acts. Paul and Silas are on their ministry uh, journey, planting all these churches. And there's this church of Berea. Do you remember this church in Acts? I think it's Acts 17. It says, and the gospel came to their city and the Jews in that city heard what was said and they examined the scriptures to see if it was so. Could that be true of us? I'm going to hear a lot of different things that are said, but I want to examine the scriptures to actually see if that is so. Is that true? Is that right? How am I going to know? I have to bring that under the examination of scripture. Here's the second thing I want you to know. You don't have to give everything that you hear access to your heart. I hope that sets somebody free this morning. That somebody spoke something to you and, you know, the saying is absolutely true. Hurt people hurt people. And so maybe your imperfect parents were just actually doing the best with what they knew how to do. And your dad spoke something out over you in anger. He didn't really mean it in his heart, but it was all he had in the moment. And he just, he lashed out at you. And I just, I want you to be reminded this morning that just because he said it and just because it hurt doesn't mean you have to let that settle into your heart. We're going to, we're going to let things come into us and renew us. We're going to let the spirit of God come and heal the hurts that have happened in our life. We're going to let things that have maybe settled into our mind far too long, we're going to let them pass away as God does a new thing. If this is something you struggle with consistently, I would turn you nowhere else than Philippians chapter four. There's a reason I read this at the beginning of the service too, because I want to piggyback the thought. We rejoice always. We make prayer and supplication to God, asking him that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would settle deep down into our hearts. But then he says this, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, there's anything worthy of praise, what is that next word? Think. Think about it. Spend time in these things. When I ask the question, what hinders you? Maybe you had 47 things pop into your mind. Pick one. Pick one. Hold it under the light of scripture. And then start to rehearse that. Start to memorize that scripture. Start to memorize that truth so that when that lie comes in your brain, you replace it with the truth. And then you do that enough times, you say, I'm done walking on this well-worn path of negative thinking, this, this line of thinking that's gonna kill me. And I'm instead, I'm jumping over to this path where it's gonna lead me to life and life everlasting. So pick something, write a verse down. Whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of praise, that's what we should be thinking on. Think about these things.
a third thing. I actually don't think I have a slide for it. I forgot to turn it in, and I skipped it first service. So you're welcome, second service, because you get the slightly improved version of my sermon from first service. Hopefully. <laughs> Admittedly, sometimes it's slightly worse, but uh, hopefully today it's slightly better. I think the word should be spoken with generosity. We can focus so much in a message like this on how there's death in the power of the tongue. And I think because of our own wounding, we think there predominantly. We think of a phrase or a word that was spoken over us that hurt so bad. But I want to remind you today, life is in the power of the tongue as well. You know how good it is to speak blessing over somebody when they need it most? When you just look, like, look somebody, here, here's something that doesn't happen very often in our culture. You square up to another human being across from you. You look them dead in the eye and you say, hey, the Lord is your shepherd and you can be content in him. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He's the one who will quiet your soul. If you just speak, but I, I promise you, parents, this might be one of the most awkward things you ever do, but if you grab one of your little kids right in the face and you speak a blessing over them, that's powerful. That brings life. I've been reading, I've been reading a proverb every day. Um, I heard a preacher say, a proverb a day keeps the stupid away. So I'm like, I need <laughs> as much of that as I can possibly get uh, coming into this next year. Proverbs 25, I wrote it down here. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. I want to be someone who speaks of the right word at the right time with the blessing of God on it. That's powerful. So let's not let this whole message just be warning. Let's let it be life-giving as well. Here's the last thing that you have to know. Truth is not just a concept. Truth is a concept. It absolutely is. There's only the truth. There's not your truth. There's not your idea of the truth. There's not your perspective that becomes the truth. There is truth. Truth is real. It is a, it is a real principle that we can't get away from. And if you want to try to get away from it, then, then life will just prove you wrong eventually. Truth is real. Truth's like math. That's why I always just loved math. I hated English growing up because like there was a right answer to math. English just always felt subjective to me. You wrote that paper well. What? Okay. What? No, two plus two is four. I'll take that to the bank all day long. You know what I'm saying? That's what truth is. But truth is not just a concept, everyone. Truth's a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus had seven different I am statements. When he made those statements in, his go in the gospel of John is who records them. When he makes those statements, he's not just saying I am like he's giving himself some sort of title. He's literally aligning his identity with deity. He's, he's referring back to the Old Testament where God says, I am who I am. Jesus is using that same phrase, I am. I am the light of the world. Those who walk in darkness, they're gonna keep walking in darkness until they discover me. I am the resurrection and the life. There's no life beyond this without me. I am the one who brings you into eternal life. I am the door. I'm the gate. He also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not just a concept. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. He's not just a good teacher. He didn't just have some good ideas that you can kind of take or leave. He's the God with us, the God-man, here to save us from our sins. And Jesus, his own words, says this, talking to the Jewish people who believed him, if you're truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, I want to encourage every single one of you, 
The only way to begin disrupting negative thought patterns in your life is to get better in touch with the truth, with the person, the work of Jesus. You can try a self-help book from Barnes & Noble. You can try going to see a counselor. But if you don't start with that, the enemy has a stronghold in your heart. And the only way to fight that is not with weapons of the flesh. It's by the power of the Spirit of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Would you guys stand? I want to end today doing two things. The first is, I just have to imagine in a room like this, maybe there are some of you who've come to church before, maybe some of you, it's your first time, and you haven't yet been introduced to the person of Jesus. Maybe you've been introduced, you're aware of who he is, you're aware of some of the teachings, we seem to talk about him a lot, but maybe today's the day where you could actually say, I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to lay my life down at his feet. And so that's you, I just, I'd ask, just out of respect, can we just, every eye closed, every head bowed, And maybe you're just in here today and you're like, I don't have a relationship with the truth. And I think I've been influenced by lies. I've been influenced by half-truth a lot of my life. You can just simply pray this prayer with me that, God, I just, I lay myself down at your feet. I bring my mistakes. I've messed up in so many different ways. But I'm going to choose today to put my trust and my hope in you reached the end of my own road of trying to save myself. And today I just lay my life down at your feet. I just ask God that you would renew and would you bring a new way of thinking into my mind. I pray that you'd help me let go of the sins and the mistakes of my past. And I help, I pray that you'd help me press into this life that you have to offer me. If that's you that just prayed a prayer like that, maybe you haven't had that conversation before, I'd I'd encourage you first and foremost, you probably came with somebody today or you're at least sitting by somebody who looks halfway nice, right? Um, I just encourage you, let them know about the decision you just made because that's the biggest decision of your entire life up until now. And so share that with somebody. Our prayer team is going to be down front. Prayer team, actually, you can can come on down now. Um, You talk with the prayer team before you leave. These are my friends. They're going to be up here, and they'd love to to meet you, talk with you, talk about what some next steps are for this journey after this decision you just made. But for the rest of us in this room, we made that decision before. I want to ask you this question. Where do you need God to heal your thinking? Where do you need him to heal your mind? Does your mind bend towards selfishness or towards generosity? Towards temporary things or towards eternal things? Towards negative or to positive? Criticism or blessing? And I just, and the invitation right now is, if you're like, I think I've been stuck with this negative mindset for a little while, um, I'd I'd love for us to pray for you right now. And so I'm I'm gonna stand up here, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. But if if you're just someone who's like, man, I just, I need some help with my thinking. I need God to intervene in a supernatural way because I've tried it on my own for a long time. Would you just be so bold in this moment to raise your hand? You can just lift your hand right up. And praise God, if there's, if there's somebody next to you, don't be, don't be, lacking courage in this moment. If you need help, raise your hand up. And if you just had somebody next to you that raised your hand, would you just do me a favor? Just sit very simply. Just put your hand on their shoulder. You're just letting them know right now, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. Wrong thinking is abundant in our world. And we're with you. We're together in this. This is a family right here, church. And now we're just going to pray this together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break the strongholds of poor thinking in this room. 
the lies, the accusations that the enemy has set up, entrenched into our hearts and into our minds, God, I pray that right now they would break in Jesus' name. I pray just like Jericho, just like Jericho, where it made no sense, some band marches around a city and the walls crumble. God, I pray that would be the strongholds that are in hearts and minds right now. At the sound of this prayer, we pray that in the name and by the blood of Jesus, would strongholds break in Jesus' name. God, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If we know you, we can have freedom. And so I ask right now, God, that there would be a new level of freedom in our thinking. Will there be freedom from the lies, freedom from the accusations, freedom from the hurt that's been spoken over us, God? Would we let those things go and would we adopt a new mindset? Behold, you are making all things new. You're not gonna pour old wine, new wine into old wineskins, God. You are doing something new today. God, would you, would you bury the pathways in our brain, the neurological pathways that we've carved out that are leading us to harmful places? And God, would you, would you draw us like a beacon of light? It's just the picture I have, even in my mind's eye right now. Like there's a path that's being illuminated. Would you help us walk in it now, Jesus? Walk on a new way of thinking, a renewed mind. Pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, uh, before we go, I just want to pray just kind of a prayer of a blessing, of benediction as we get ready to walk out of this place. Because as much as like a, a message like this, I think is important and needed, um, it also is just the beginning. Because now you have to go live your life. You have to set your alarm clock for whatever hour tomorrow morning and you got to go to work. And you got to do the things that you're used to doing. But maybe this week, maybe everything else would look the same, but your mindset would be different. Maybe the power of the Holy Spirit would be renewing something in the way that you think. And so all of us, just with our hands out in front of us, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would give us the power to walk in a new way of thinking this week. God, would we, would we see clearly the schemes of the enemy, the plans of the enemy, the lies that are trying to infiltrate our mind? Would we see them? Would we see it clear as day? And would we hold fast to the truth? Would we hold fast to your word? I pray that even if we're not people who routinely get up and get into your word, I pray that that wouldn't be so this week. Would we let it dwell in us richly? Would the truth of God prevail in our minds this week? Jesus, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit to illuminate your work in our heart and in our mind. I pray for my friends. I pray for myself. As we walk out of here today, help us be people who think the way that you would have us think this week. Help us not be hindered by the thinking of this world. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.